0: Pray for a moment. Lord we thank you for your scripture, we thank you for your word, thank you that it speaks to us down the centuries. We pray now Lord as we spend a few minutes thinking about it and opening ourselves to you, that you would speak and you would give to each of us that message that we need. And we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. As you'll know over these last few weeks, we've been beginning the process of um, the living in love and faith um, initiative uh, offered to us by the Church of England nationally. And uh, we've begun by looking at some pastoral principles, some ways in which we can have the conversation, some things to bear in mind, so that when we come to talk with each other and share with each other, some very um, about some very difficult and sensitive issues about which people feel Um, often very strongly, that we have, as it were, um, uh, a set of of mechanisms that enable us to speak well to one another. So we've thought about um, acknowledging prejudice um, and ignorance and speaking into silence, um, and uh, today we're having a think about power. And what does it mean to be aware of the power that we might have? And I wanted to think first um, about power in the scriptures, because uh, these two readings we've had today from from Dareth and Alison, if you like, show us um, the two sides of power in scripture. Firstly, that Psalm, beautiful, beautiful Psalm of uh, David crying out to God in uh, in his need as he was sort of descending into the into the mire. He says. Um, and he cries out to God and the, the picture of God that, that, that is um, uh, described in the psalm is, is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. It, you know, it, it's almost, it's almost um, Harry Potter- Potter-esque um, because uh, the picture of God is, is so fearsome. He says, smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. It's like something out of a Hollywood film, isn't it? You can imagine the sort of um, CGI, the special effects, as the as the as the heavens are, are torn open and God comes uh, down in this remarkably uh, powerful and evocative way and rescues David. God is powerful. It's so obvious; it hardly needs to be said, and we know His power. In creation, we know his power to save us. We know his power to indwell us. God is powerful. And we see many times in the scriptures where God uses his power to rescue his people. Obviously, the, the most uh, famous and, and, and sort of obvious example is rescuing the Israelites from Egypt, the plagues that were sent uh, upon Pharaoh. And then leading them out and and through the Red Sea and into the the wilderness there to give them the Ten Commandments to feed them with manna and quail and ultimately to bring them into the promised land. These are remarkably powerful acts. It shows God's power and his protection and the power that he uses for good. And we think again of, of the people of Israel in exile in Babylon. And again, it is the power of God that brings them back. God is powerful and we see in Scripture the ways in which he uses that power for the good of his people but alongside this um, this affirmation of the of the power of God we also get this this remarkable truth which Alison's uh, reading from Philippians outlines That oddly almost contradictorily what the buffins call a paradox, two things that that are opposites, that are true at the same time. When God wants to show his ultimate power, what does he do? He sets it aside. He leaves who he is. He puts it aside and empties himself. And those amazing verses from Philippians that talk about Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant we're coming down being made in human likeness and being found in appearance was humbled even to death we come down again and then even death on a cross down and down and down when God wanted to show how much he loves us how he can overcome sin and death what does he do He sets aside his glory. He sets aside all those things that we read about in that psalm. He sets them aside and he comes to us. And the mystery of Christmas is that he comes to us vulnerable as a baby. The one who holds the universe in the palm of his hand is held in his mother's arms. This paradox that when God wants to show how powerful He is, He sets it all aside. You may remember that that Paul finds out about this truth. You may remember in 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 two Corinthians, in that second letter that he writes to the church in Corinth. You, you remember he, he talks about his his thorn in the flesh, and and he, he says it's 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 tormenting me. I I don't like it. I hate it. And three times he cries to God to take it away. And what happens? Three times God says to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul has to learn that to trust in God most powerfully of all is to trust him in weakness, to trust him when he cannot do what he wants to do. And that's that's where the power of God will be shown most clearly, in his weakness. God gives away his power and in doing so he reveals his power most profoundly and of course at the heart of all of this is the cross. There Jesus is stripped and nailed and he dies. There is nothing glorious about that. And yet, that is the moment when sin is defeated and new life is opened up to us. God does his most profound, important and powerful act in the naked, broken, bleeding body of Jesus. This riddle, this contradiction, this paradox is at the heart of our faith. that power is seen through weakness Power is displayed as people say, I can't do it, but he can. When we come to this conversation, which we will do later in our, in our church year, when we try to talk together about what it means as we look at, at subjects of sexuality and gender and relationships and marriage, can we give away our power can we can we give away, if you like, the sort of ability to knock one another down? You know, I I, I went for a lunch with somebody recently, and it was a very nice lunch, and I, I was chatting away as you know, as I do, and I was talking about church and talking about doing living in love and faith, and talking about the possibility that maybe there may be a different way of looking at all these things. And my companion told me within two or three sentences, that if I changed my mind, if I departed from the traditional view of sexuality, gender and marriage, that he would not be able to work with me. I was devastated. I was trying to be honest. I was trying to be vulnerable. I was trying to say, this is a struggle and I'm in this struggle and, and I'm, you know, I don't know what to do. And he closed it down. And he said, if you change your mind, I can't work with you. Brothers and sisters, let's not do that to one another. Let's give away our power. However fervently we might hold our views, let's give away the power to crush one another. Because when that happens, it's miserable. God doesn't do that to us, does he? He comes to us weak and vulnerable. And he says, I love you. And I love you this much that I will go to the cross for you. Can we love each other like that? Hold our views firmly and and passionately? Yes, of course. But to love one another and to say, we will find a way through this because we love God and we love one another. To give away the power to crush one another. I believe that that's what this means. That's what Philippians 2 means. Look at the way Jesus acts that's the way we're to act towards one another it's hard and it's tough and it takes takes discipline to do it but that's what we are called to do and you know when we do do it it's wonderful tell you a quick story about when we lived in uh, when we lived in Liverpool and um, went went to church and got to know people in the church and there was a a lovely guy in the church whose name was Graham and uh, Married two lovely girls, smashing church family, really, really good. And, uh, uh, but Graham's surname, or not but, and Graham's surname, was Paisley. And uh, to anybody who knows uh, anything about Liverpool Football Club, the word Paisley should immediately cause you to stand up and salute. Because Bob Paisley was Liverpool's most successful manager. And just for the record, he won more trophies at a quicker rate. OK, the rate at which he won trophies was better than Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson did win more trophies, but Bob Paisley won them quicker. OK, so just get that in. All right. Anyway, Graham was Bob's son. If Graham had wanted to, Graham could have made me feel really, really small. Because Graham had an insight into a world of football that I could only dream of. And Graham had seen it all firsthand, but he didn't. He was gentle and kind and he lifted you up and enabled you to glimpse it as well. He had no sort of status. He didn't stand on ceremony. He didn't say, I am footballing royalty. He just shared his life and it was a delight to be with him. His was an example of giving away something in order that other people could join in. Friends, if we can give away a sense of power so that one another can join in this conversation free and safe. We will have done a wonderful thing. We will have done a Christ like thing. Amen.